Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob. And this week, we are making a buffalo chicken ballantine. And let me tell you what this is. If you follow along with this, it's going to feel a little intimidating. You know, like you need to be more technically proficient than what is actually necessary. But man, this turned out fantastic. Yeah, the presentation is really impressive. And it actually makes uh, the consumption of a whole chicken much more convenient. Okay. So, uh, as with every episode, check out the show notes. There is a link to the imager album with step-by-step photos. There won't be any special ingredients or special equipment for this episode. However, I am going to recommend a couple things, a couple, uh, implements that you should have, but you probably already have these things. Anyway, uh, one thing is you will need butcher's twine, And the other thing you will need is ideally two knives, one of which should be fairly small and precise. For me, I like a paring knife. And secondly, a heavy bladed knife like uh, a meat cleaver or uh, even just a, a breaking knife or even like a decently sized Santoku knife would be okay. But the key to this one is that you need some mass in there. You don't want something that's real light and flimsy. And, uh, the reason for that is you're actually just, you're going to be breaking a bone with this and you're not going to be using the blade side. You're going to be using the opposite side of the blade, um, from the edge, uh, the heel of the blade or whatever, but having both of those will definitely benefit you in making this. Secondly, I want to tell you, uh, we'll have the step-by-step photos. Obviously you want to look at this. Uh, I'm going to describe the process of deboning a chicken and no matter how good I do at describing this process. It can't beat the, I think it's only like a, maybe a 10, 12, maybe 15 minute video on YouTube, which will be in the show notes. It's a video of Jacques Pepin deboning a chicken. This is a masterclass in deboning a chicken. This you can't, I, I can't improve upon this. So you'll definitely want to watch this. And even whenever you're if you take on this dish and you're like, yeah, I'm going to make that. I'm going to try to put that together. You'll probably find yourself with this video open in your kitchen and pausing, playing, skipping ahead, backing it up, whatever, over and over and over again. Uh, that is definitely a good way to go. I have probably watched this video 50 times in the past 10 years Two kind of, what did I say? Two canonical sort of cooking videos, both by Jacques Pepin. Uh, ironically, one is this video of deboning a chicken. And the other one is like a 10 minute segment of making different types of omelets and preparing eggs, like a country French, French omelet, a country style omelet, all these things. I credit Jacques Pepin with the thousands of chickens that I've raised over the years and the, uh, thousands more eggs that I've eaten. You can't watch this video of him making an omelet and not want to just like bang out a couple omelets yourself, but the deboning of the chicken pictures are great. Video is better. That said, he is very proficient at it. He's very quick 
and you will be backing it up and looking at it over and over and over again. So uh, maybe consume both forms of media just to familiarize yourself with it. All right. At the beginning of Papan's video, he says like, oh, today we're going, I'm not going to do the, the accent, but he says, okay, today we're going to debone a chicken for Ballantine uh, or Galantine. And he doesn't elaborate on the difference between those things. And I'm, I, I didn't research this. I'm kind of just flying off the, the knowledge, something that I, I thought that I knew. So I'm holding it in my head as, as true. But a chicken galantine is a deboned chicken that can be stuffed with something and then not really rolled up, but, but basically folded back together so that it re resumes its chicken-like shape. And then it's trussed, it's you know tied up like a roast, and then it'll be cooked. Um, and the cooking could be, it, you could roast it. You could also like sous vide or poach it, but it's a very gentle cooking process. And then it'll be usually wrapped in saran wrap or some sort of a, a cling film or a plastic film or whatever to maintain the shape and then refrigerated. So it's going to be cold. And then you're going to slice that. It's sort of more of an hors d'oeuvre. You know, it can be stuffed with things like, I mean, in the video, he stuffs this with herbs and mushrooms. You could stuff it with nuts and dried fruits. You could stuff it with sausage. You could stuff it with something with cheese in it or whatever or uh, a liver pate, you're basically making, um, what would you call it? Like a free form terrine, you know, like a terrine, yeah, the terrine is just a fancy category name for meatloaves uh, that are often uh, served cold. So they'll be made in a terrine pan or a terrine form, and then they will be sliced once they're chilled and served as like an hors d'oeuvre like that. This wouldn't go into a mold or a pan uh, the, the structure of the chicken kind of gives structure to the quote unquote terrain at the end. So it's just like a chicken shaped terrain more or less. Um, but the galantine would then be chilled and sliced, chilled and served that way. Ballantine on the other hand, from what I understand is, uh, served hot. It would be more of an entree as opposed to an hors d'oeuvre. So this is what we're making today is a ballantine debone chicken. And like I said, you can stuff this with all kinds of different things. In the Pepan video, he stuffs it with herbs and mushrooms. Kind of like, uh, I don't know if he actually says that they're duck cells or not, but, you know, mushrooms that have been blanched uh, and, and stock with white wine and other herbs and stuff like that. You can do that. You could do a traditional stuffing, like a sage bread stuffing. You can do a sausage stuffing. Like I said, dried fruits, nuts, whatever. This one, I'm kind of, I kind of had fun with this because I was thinking, like, oh man, it's like all those, all those flavor combinations are, they're really rich and heavy, and it is like an autumnal or a wintry sort of flavor palette. Let's, um, let's just do something cool with it, you know. So the stuffing that I did for this is very similar to like a buffalo chicken dip except without cheese. We're not doing a lot of dairy products and cheeses right now in the uh, Valenzuela household. But, you know, basically canned chicken breast and Frank's Red Hot. And I use ghee instead of butter to kind of keep it non-dairy. And then a real simple blend of dry seasonings that approximate the flavor profile of like a ranch dressing, you know, because so if you were going to have a blue, a blue cheese dressing or a ranch or something like that in a buffalo chicken dip, 
I wanted to um, mimic some of those flavors and get that together. So it's basically um, a shredded chicken, buffalo chicken stuffing inside of the ballantine. And then when we roast it, we baste it with hot chili oil, which is, you know, you just get it in a jar at the grocery store. It's like a soybean oil with red chili flakes and uh, garlic and maybe um, a little bit of sesame oil or something like that. Really great flavor. Um, and it added to the sort of the spicy component. It was a little spicy on the outside, spicy on the inside and wonderful there. Okay. So we're, I'll have the recipe obviously for the, all, all the stuff that goes in here with the, with the buffalo chicken stuffing and whatever, super simple. But the main thrust of this episode is deboning the chicken and getting this nice palate to work with. You know, like a, a chicken without any of its bones in it is still conspicuously chicken shaped. And then whenever you put it back together, um, you fold it over, you tie it up, it looks fantastic. Now, actually, now that I'm thinking of it, kind of a large format Ballantine, technically, I mean, if we're talking about like deboned poultry with stuff inside of it and then tied back together, a turducken is just a very elaborate Ballantine, is it not? Right? Okay. So now with these uh, chicken episodes, most of the time I started off by going out and grabbing one of my meat birds and processing it and using, you know, a homegrown free range chicken as the base. Did not do that for this one. I went to the grocery store and I bought a big fat Frankenstein bird and I had a very specific reason for that. Well, a couple reasons actually. Number one, the, the thickness of all the musculature on a grocery store bird is going to far surpass my flock here at home. Number one, I tend to focus on heritage breeds. They don't have as much of a, a, a meat to bone ratio as your grocery store hybrid chickens do. Number one, number two, even if they, if I did use like a Cornish cross or something like that, I'm not optimizing for getting the biggest carcass in the fewest number of days. Um, I like to prioritize the health and wellness of the chicken. You know, all this hippy dippy stuff that, <laughs> that you do whenever you raise your own livestock and stuff. I like the chickens to be happy. I like them to have some forage and I like them to express qualities that are unique to the breed, you know, whether they're black Jersey giants or barred rocks or whatever. But if you were going to use a home raised bird and you had kind of an infinite variety available, I would recommend using a Cochin, which is, it's a pretty common breed of chicken that people raise. It lays a very round, small egg, but the distinguishing feature of them is that they have this like, um, a uh, little outcropping of feathers on their feet. So it looks like they have, you know, feathered boots on, but the carcass of a cochin is very round, very much like a bowling ball shaped bird. It'll, it'll closely approximate the proportions of your standard, you know, grocery store fryer chicken basically. And that's, that's what I went with. Secondly, the texture of the meat in a grocery store bird is going to be much more pliable, very tender. Uh, these birds are going to be harvested between seven and 11 weeks generally. So they're going to be very young. And um, that's great whenever you're not going to be cooking something for a very long time. You don't want it to be tough or chewy or have 
too much of a bite to it. You want it to really, uh, you want to be able to slice through it very easily and have it be tender all the way through both the dark meat and the white meat. So having that consistency with a grocery store bird is wonderful. And lastly, the connective tissue, the tendons, the, the cartilage, all that kind of stuff in the grocery store bird is going to be very manageable. It's going to be soft and, and easy to break, easy to tear, easy to cut through. The bones of the grocery store bird are going to be finer. Um, the skeleton is not going to be very, it's almost like um, there's going to be a lot more cartilage and a lot more flexibility. The bones aren't going to be super hard, which is actually impo important for one process uh, or one step in the deboning process. And uh, yeah, they're just, they're not strong animals. And that makes it very easy to sort of impose your will on the carcass because what you'll find is that you're not doing a whole lot of cutting. What you're really doing is sort of you're, you're breaching the outer defenses, the skin, the muscles, the connective tissues or whatever, just to have a, a point of ingress for your fingers. And then you're going to basically pull most of the, uh, the meat away from the skeleton of the bird. And having a very tender, juvenile bird that is, uh, you know, soft and, and curated by Tyson or whomever uh, will further your objective there. You don't want to be fighting with a bird that is like an Olympic athlete because, you know, the more you have to struggle to pull uh, soft tissue away from bone, the more likely it is to, you know, part of it to give, to give way in a spot where it's not supposed to, and then you just end up ripping it or, you know, making a mess of it. You don't want to have something that looks like you took it apart with a weed whacker when you're done. Okay. Let's get started with deboning a chicken. First thing you want to do is take the lower two thirds of the wings off. These will be the wing tips and the flats. Okay. So if you think about the wing tip being, uh, we'll call it the wrist and then the flat uh, ends at the elbow. We're going to be cutting through the elbow. Uh, you don't have to do anything fancy with the knife work here. You can grab the wing and kind of articulate it a little bit and be like, okay, here's where the elbow of the chicken is. There's going to be mostly cartilage there. You have the two bones of the forearm or of the flat. Essentially, in, in a human, it would be the, the ulna and the radius. Those two bones in your forearm, they come together at the elbow, slice right through that, take that off. Now, uh, Papan in his video shows you how to then turn that flat into a lollipop. And I didn't do that. We're just making stock with those, or you can, you can cut the, the wing tip off and use the flat as a chicken wing, you know, keep them in a bag separate in the freezer so that, you know, you have wing night and you have a bunch of wings there. You're good to go. So anyway, we're going to cut those lower two thirds of both of the wings off next. And then we're going to be doing this um, pretty much all of uh, this cutting with the uh, paring knife or the smaller of your knives, okay? Because we want to be able to put the blade in right where we want it to go and then get it out so that we can use our fingers to do the rest. Now, at the top of the breast, what do I mean by the top of the breast? Uh, where the chicken's head would have been, <laughs> where its neck would have been, um, not the cavity that you would stick your hand into to, you know, put stuffing or, or salt and pepper or whatever, but the other end of it, the top of the breast, if you, if you feel down in there and push your finger into the meat, you'll find, uh, the wishbone, 
The wishbone is basically, again, for a human analog, the clavicle, the collarbone, where it sort of connects the shoulder where the wing uh, starts to the sternum, which is the breastbone. You can find that wishbone under the breast meat. And what you want to do with your paring knife is run it parallel to the bone um, inside just to, to make a hole that you can get your fingers in there. Do it on both sides. And then with your index finger and your middle finger, put it in there, hook them under the wishbone and yoink it out of there. Okay. The reason we're doing that is because that bone is basically, I mean, it's not free floating in the body of the chicken, but it wouldn't come out any other way. And it would generally tend to stay in the breast meat whenever you remove the rest of the meat from the carcass. And uh, we don't want it in there because we want a boneless chicken. And that is uh, what we got to do. So we remove that wishbone. Be careful. Like uh, sometimes the wishbone will break either in the packaging process because they do this um, heat sealing where they put it into a plastic bag and then probably hit it with steam or whatever. And that bag shrinks around. When it does that, because these chickens are very young and they have lots of meat on them and not very well-developed bones, different things can break. And if that wishbone breaks, either that there or during the plucking process, you know, if they're mechanically plucked, they can be really sharp. And you don't want to like cut your finger on literally the second step of deponing a chicken. So be careful. It doesn't take a lot of force to yoink that out of there. Um, so you don't have to like go all Hulk mode on it and, and damage anything on your body as you're <laughs> rending, rending the flesh of this animal. <laughs> so anyway, once you have the um, wishbone out of there, flip your bird over so it is breast side down on the cutting board. And then we want to slice right down the middle of the spine. Um, you don't have to go all the way to the tail. You can give yourself, you know, an inch of leeway before you get to the tail, but you want to slice through the skin and there is a little bit of musculature on the outside of the spine and just make a nice clean slice down there. Okay. Next up, what we need to do is this is the first time where you have to take a little bit of a leap of faith and you might be poking around for a minute. The rest of the wing, this is the upper part of the wing, the drumette, or again, human analog, the, what would this be? The humerus, I believe, the upper arm bone. It connects into a shoulder joint and you're gonna still have it face down, you know, uh, with your, your spine facing up. And you move back to where that wing is and you kind of grab that stubby wing nub that you've created and move it around and you can kind of see or feel, you know, stick your finger into the meat there and feel the articulation of that bone where that joint is. And then with your knife, kind of at a 45 degree angle away from the spine, slice into where your best estimate is of where that joint is. That will very, I mean, very likely you're not going to just slice right through the middle of the joint on your first shot. You'll get in there and be like, all right, what am I looking at here? There's like, I can see a little bit of a joint knuckle and a bone and you, you know, poke around a little bit and find where the actual uh, junction is between those two bones. And then what you want to do is you want to sever the tendons and the connective tissue that holds that upper wing segment to the shoulder, just cut right through it. And then you have essentially a free floating 
wing arm bone <laughs> it's everything's still connected um but it's just that that joint has been severed okay and you do that on both sides a, a lot of this is going to be what would you call it uh bilateral so it's like oh do do this thing and then if i forget to say uh go to the other side of the chicken and do the same thing again just take it for granted that that is what you need to do there are two wings there are two legs so most of these cuts or procedures that you're going to be doing on one side of the bird you have to do on the other side so you go over to the other do the same thing and free that uh, upper wing segment from the shoulder now now this is the first time you have to sort of impose your will <laughs> on, on the chicken using your hands you can stand this guy up uh, so that it the cavity hole is facing down on your cutting board and with at least, you know, two or three fingers, index finger, middle finger, ring finger, you are going to jam that in there between the meat and the ribs in the spine, like that area. Uh, the That wing segment, that upper arm segment will be essentially in your palm. And what you're going to do is you're going to separate all of the back meat and skin from the rib cage. And by pulling it like like working it out away from the bone while simultaneously pulling down and it's just like you're stripping that quarter of the chicken away from the carcass away from the bones do that do the same thing on the other side the distance that you're going to continue pulling this meat away is going to run until you get to the oysters which are like in the small of the back of the chicken and in the picture in the imager album i have i took this my left index finger is pressed into the oyster so you can see what that looks like it's basically this little medallion of dark meat that kind of sits down in the uh the love handle region of a chicken and i know it's it's a lot easier sometimes when you're butchering a pig to anthropomorphize it because the physiology of it is a lot more similar to that of a human. I mean, they're different, you know, a dead pig is a lot different than a dead human, but you kind of have to anthropomorphize the chicken to find your way around. It's like, where, where on this bird would this thing be on me? <laughs> it's, it's morbid, but hey, you're cooking, you're cooking the body of a, of a, of an animal to put into a hole in your face to maintain metabolism and life function it is it's a morbid and intimate process so why why be euphemistic about it <laughs> so anyway both of those sides you're going to pull down there so what you're going to have now is basically from the shoulder of the chicken down to about the thighs on the back is going to be just hanging off of the bones the, the picture in the imager album shows you that uh, Jacques Pepin shows you the same thing, but you kind of, you like that off of there. Now, what you're going to do next is flip the bird or not flip the bird, turn the bird around so that the breasts are facing you. Now we've already removed the wishbone. So at the top of the breast, like with the two breasts on either side of the sternum kind of converge at what was the chicken's throat. And with two fingers, index finger and middle finger, you're going to put one under each of these breast meat uh, masses, basically. Index finger under the left breast, ring finger, or not ring finger, middle finger under the right breast, 
get them in there like a claw, like a Tyrannosaurus hand. And you don't like, I, I don't want to say do it gently because you're not, you're, you're, you're ripping this away from the bone, but you're also not Hulk smashing it away from the bone. You're doing it forcefully, uh, confidently. You're having the courage of your convictions and you're pulling, um, this breast meat away from, uh, the sternum and the sternum is the, you know, the breastbone of the chicken. It's very cartilaginous. It looks kind of plasticky, like a, like a white plastic insert, more or less. Pepin, when he does this, he pulls the breasts off and the chicken, the, the breast tenders, um, stay, uh, adhered right next to the breastbone. And then he removes those later. When I did it, uh, everything came off together. What I suspect is, uh, you know, that Pepin video, oh my God, that, that originally was made in the nineties. You know, this is a, he didn't make these, that one in the, the omelet video, neither one of these were made for YouTube. These were for his like PBS show. And then somebody uploaded them to YouTube. So, you know, chicken genetics and, uh, bloodlines have been improved quote unquote since that video came out. And a lot of this is a lot more homogenous. Like, uh, a lot of the meat, you know, the, the, the dark meat is lighter and the white meat is lighter and all that, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, it was, it's very easy to pull all of this breast away from the sternum. So the dead also don't necessarily expect that the, the skeletal, you know, the skeleton, the, the carcass of the chicken is going to be this like very neatly compact and, and, and put together unit inside of the bird. It's been a long time since I've watched industrial chicken processing. Um, but I am convinced that they kill these chickens by throwing them off of buildings now, like the, the, the bone breakage, just the carnage of the skeleton inside is remarkable. There's all kinds of trauma. And I assume that it's because it's mostly automated and mechanical, but man, you get in here and like this, was this bird in a wheelchair? Like when, when they, when they process it, cause there's, there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of stuff going on in here that is not uh, healthy. But if you start pulling, you pull this away and you're like, man, it's like, uh, this isn't exactly the skeleton I expected to see. Or if it comes apart in your hands, don't worry about it. It's normal. Um, yeah. As they go down the conveyor, not the conveyor line, the, the assembly line, the disassembly line. I don't know. Yeah. All kinds of things can happen. Things can be broken. The point is, is that we can follow in this guide. And for the most part, we will, um, we'll get everything out. And, it, and this is very forgiving. It, it looks really cool at the end if you do a good job and everything is intact. But, uh, you know, you can hide a lot of sins by just, uh, you know, no, here, here's a piece of meat. We're just going to lay this over here. Oh, this piece fell off. We're going to tuck it under this part. <laughs> all right. So now next thing we're going to do, you pull all these bones out. You basically have the inner carcass, the rib cage, the sternum, the spine, all that kind of stuff and set it aside. And I have a picture of that with the legs still intact and those upper arm bones are still there. So the next thing we need to do is we need to debone the legs. This arguably, I would say this is like, um, it's not, none of this is difficult, uh, especially once you've done it a few times. I've deboned countless chickens. So um, I know my way around the inside without being able to see where the bones are. You can kind of uh, get a feel for it. But uh, this is the part where it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm doing it right or whatever. Just be confident, have confidence, 
as uh, Park Burroughs, the former um, uh, editor of the Observer Reporter newspaper, he, he entitled a, a book, not like a memoir, but a book of like uh, important milestones or whatever in the course of the newspaper's history. But the title of the book was Enter with Torches. And that came from, um, I believe, a, a drama teacher that he had in high school or college that said, like, whenever you come on the stage, like, enter with torches, like, act like you own the place, you know, like, act like you've been here before. <laughs> so, you know, once you commit to making a cut or to proceeding in one direction, like, like, own it, like, go, go all the way, <laughs> walk all the way out into the middle of the sea, whenever you're supposed to be going through the desert, whatever. So what we're going to do here is the inside of the thigh. Okay. This is going to be thigh meat. Uh, you'll be able to feel it. Um, oh, I guess I should have uh, mentioned whenever you strip the, the meat of the chicken down from the breasts and everything, you get down to um, the thighs. What you can do is grab the thigh in one hand and grab the chicken in the other and kind of just dislocate that, that bone, pop it out of there, and then just cut the, um, the, the tendons, the ligaments, the stuff like that to free that bone from the rest of the, the carcass so that you can remove those inner bones or whatever. Now we're going to grab that thigh from the inside, kind of stand it up, and you're going to have the knuckle of that thigh joint, like where the thigh uh, was embedded into the hip, basically. And with your knife, uh, again, the paring knife, this will make you cringe a little bit, but it's okay because we sharpen our knives regularly. <laughs> it's like knives are tools that are supposed to be used with the blade. You're not going to cut the meat away from the bone. You're going to scrape the meat away from the bone with the, the blade goes straight in perpendicular to the bone. And then whoosh, 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 you're going to get that sound as you scrape the meat of the thigh away from the bone. And you're going to go all the way down to what is essentially the knee joint where the drumstick meets the thigh bone. Uh, and then you're going to have this clean thigh bone standing up uh, in the middle of your chicken. And again, a picture is worth a thousand words. And there is a picture of this very, this very scenario. So you're going to do that. Do that actually with, um, with you're going to do it with both of them, but you're going to do them one at a time. So you clean that thigh bone down. Now you have this knuckle, right? This joint where the drumstick comes together to the thigh. There's a big gnarly mass of meat right around there. We want to preserve as much of that as possible, but we can also, uh, if we need to cut it away later, like if we want to, if we want to free the leg bone with a big joint of meat still stuck to it, that is okay because we can then cut that meat off of this bone that we've removed and we can just lay it back inside the chicken when we fold it up and tie it, it's like we could hide all kinds of stuff in there. You could put rolls of pennies in there for all I care. You know what I mean? I mean, it wouldn't be good, but you could do it. So anyway, below that joint, uh, going toward the leg bone, what you want to do is you want to cut around the bone. Okay. You want to cut all the meat all the way around the bone so that you can do this scraping procedure again down into the meat. To clean the leg bone. Now, what you're going to have is a, a clean thigh bone, a big ball of meat in the middle where the joint is, and then a clean leg bone going down into the chicken. And then you have that the drumstick handle, the knuckle, which is has skin on it. That's underneath because that's the exterior of the chicken, but we're working on the interior part of it. So we're going to do that. And then you can 
you can trim away that meat on the joint now, or you can do it later. But the point is expose that, uh, the drumstick handle, you know, with the skin, this is the outside of the chicken, lay it out flat. And you're going to use your heavy knife, whether it's the cleaver or the breaking knife or the santoku or whatever, and using the back of the knife, not the blade, because we don't want to cut this. What we want to do is basically break the ankle of the chicken. Now, is it the ankle? It's actually a little above the ankle. This would be breaking the uh, tibia, I believe. And just with, and you don't have to, it's not like you're chopping wood here, okay? It takes surprisingly little force to break a bone. Um, in fact, uh, I, I've never verified this, but I believe that the amount of force that it takes to bite a carrot is sufficient to uh, sever your thumb. So if you think like, man, I'd really have to chomp down to, to bite my own thumb off. No, you don't. Just however much force you would use, you would employ in biting a carrot. That's how much it takes to bite your thumb off. So think about that. It's only a couple pounds of force. And it's just a, just a short, sharp, Thwack. And you do that, the bone will break. Uh, this is why we're using a grocery store bird because the bones are softer. They're not as well developed. Um, they probably, it will, it's not going to break like a clean break. It's going to be more of a shatter, but because the bones aren't super hard and uh, dense the way a free range bird would be, you are less likely to get much sharding of the bones. You don't want like these big you know, sticks of broken bone in this uh, interior wound. You just kind of want as clean of a break as possible, but you do that and then grab those cleaned off parts of the bone that you did earlier and slide them right out. Comes out real easy. They can trim off whatever meat is still adhered to it and set that aside to put inside your Ballantine later. Okay. And then, like I said earlier, you need to do that to both sides. Now, what you have at this point Let's take stock. We have a mostly deboned chicken. No bones in the breast, no bones in the back, no bones in the thighs, no bones in the legs, except for the little, there's a little knob of bone at the end of the drumstick handle. Well, we're going to leave those there. And there's still your upper arm bones in, in the wings. So here's how we remove that. You come up to the wing, again, working on the inside of the chicken, which it's not like you're, you're going in through the tailpipe of a car to work on the engine here. The chicken is unfolded like, a, like an open book in front of you. I'm just talking about the, the side that is meat as opposed to the side that is skin. You find that upper arm bone and uh, you'll, with your knife, just cut right around the top joint, the joint that would have gone into the shoulder. And then uh, once you've freed the bone from the meat there, what you can do is push the meat down away from the bone. You can just you don't have to do the scraping thing because this meat is not adhered to that bone the way the leg meat is. You can just with two fingers on either side. Like if you think if you had a stick or <laughs> sticking straight up in the air and you did like a scissor motion with your index finger and your middle finger, grab the bone like that, hold that that knuckle with your left hand and just push that meat straight down, and then with your knife cut uh, the bottom of that bone away from the meat and it comes out easy breezy beautiful do that on both sides and now you have a completely deboned chicken and to see how 
good it looks, you know, to see how mangled it is. What you can do is that's the thing. This this takes on the form of like a roll, but you're not rolling it. It's not like a pinwheel. You're not going to create a a spiral pattern on the inside. You basically it's bilateral. One side just fold it back over to the middle. Fold the other side back over to the middle. Grab the whole thing so that you're supporting everything so it doesn't unravel when you flip it over, and then roll it over so that the back side is facing up. And uh, or, I'm sorry, so the breast side is facing up and see how it looks. And mine looks really, really good. All right, so we can let that set aside uh, for a minute. It does not take long to make this stuffing. And again, you can stuff this with whatever you want. You know, and I actually, I actually had half a mind to do this where I would tie, I would truss it up, make it into the whole Ballantine thing and then dredge it in flour and egg and flour again and actually make it a fried chicken Ballantine. But I was like, yeah, come on, that's a bridge too far. Let's do buffalo chicken Ballantine. That'll be cool. It'll taste better. I mean, fried chicken is fantastic, but having a chicken stuffed with buffalo chicken, oh my, it's amazing. So anyway, it's, it'll only take a minute to throw this together. We're going to use some celery, uh, mainly because uh, celery is a component of like buffalo chicken wings. You get your chicken wings, your blue cheese or your ranch and your celery sticks. So we're going to chop up some celery nice and fine. That's going to go into this stuffing. I personal preference whenever you have a whole thing of celery is to pick a couple stalks that have lots of leaves attached to them. I find that the leaves have the best flavor. Like you want some of the texture, obviously of the celery, but if you just want like the celery flavor, the celery leaves are fantastic. So I get a couple leafy stalks of celery, chop those up nice and fine. Uh, in the photo, I have two cans of uh, white chicken breast, you know, packed in water type of things. You really only need one. I wasn't sure how much bone would be in the chicken. I was, I was thinking there, the skeleton would be a lot more developed and that I would have a lot more space to fill with the stuffing. I only need one of those of the canned chicken. Uh, I use ghee, a tablespoon of ghee. Uh, one, because there is butter in buffalo, uh, buffalo wing sauce. You know, it's butter and, and red hot. Uh, so I wanted to have that, but also I wanted the stuffing to have an additional fat component so that it wouldn't be dry on the inside. So to have a little bit of, a little bit of a little savory juiciness, um, to go along, you know, with the, the natural juiciness of the chicken, obviously, because we don't have any visceral fat, like no fat on the inside of the cavity and very little fat, uh, you know, to, well, the skin basically the grocery store chicken is not going to have very much subcutaneous fat. So adding a little bit of ghee to that is helpful. The dry spices, black pepper, dry parsley, garlic powder, or granulated garlic, my personal preference, uh, onion powder, dill, and I threw in some cayenne just to, to knock the spiciness up another notch there. Uh, as far as measurements on that, I will have the exact ones in the show notes. But I think it was um, basically a, a teaspoon of parsley, a teaspoon of garlic, a half teaspoon of onion powder, dill, cayenne, and then uh, one to one and a half teaspoons of black pepper. Also, we are going to use salt um, basically to taste, but you're not going to be tasting this. 
you know, raw chicken or whatever, probably like three quarters of a teaspoon of salt, just enough in the stuffing so that the stuffing is appropriately seasoned. And then that will uh, impart some of the flavor on the inside of the ballantine. And then we'll salt and pepper the, the skin of the chicken before it goes into the oven. Okay. And then the red hot, uh, you know, a quarter of a cup or something like that. So we mix all those together. It, it, pretty easy to just do it with your hands or you can use a spoon or whatever. It looks like, uh, real, actually it looks like a really delicious, uh, chicken salad with the part kind of parsley greens, but the, um, the celery greens in there, but we get that all mixed up and then lay your deboned chicken out, uh, meat side up on your cutting board, and then spread that stuffing pretty evenly across that whole surface there. Definitely uh, take care to get like a nice little pinch of that stuffing and jam it into the legs where the leg bone and the thigh bone used to be. There's going to be a little bit of a cavity in there. Get some of that stuffing into there. Now, this next part might seem like it's more difficult than what it is, but we're going to, um, again, not roll it, but kind of reassemble it and tie it up like a roast. So we're going to fold both, um, both halves over and kind of cross the legs. This is where having that, that little knob of bone at the bottom of the chicken leg is useful because then you have something solid that you can kind of hook them together. Also, it keeps those legs um, a closed system because you haven't severed the skin running on the outside of the bone to get that bone out of there. So it's not like you have like these two drainage holes at the bottom of your ballantine. But yeah, fold that guy back up. And then um, depending on how long your chicken is, uh, one, two, three, four, five or six trusses should be sufficient. And when you tie it up, you don't have to tie this exceptionally tightly. What we want to do is we want to normalize the density from one end to the other, and we want it to be held together fairly securely, but you don't have to like tie this down like you're tie it, like you're lacing up your hockey skates or something like that. We just want it to be marginally tight, a comfortable snugness. Okay. And I like to, I like to do the tying so that the knot uh, runs right down along the, um, uh, I guess it would be the opening, the, the the seam that we've created from these two halves. And then at the end, uh, when you get down to the legs, cross those legs and tie that one nice and tight too, just to, just to hold everything together. Uh, season that with salt and pepper. And I did this on a rack in a roasting pan. And I roasted this for one hour and 25 minutes do it at 375 now i would say do it for an hour and 30 minutes at 375 what i did was i started at 350 and then i slowly increased it to like 425 and then i backed it down to 350 again you don't have to do all this nonsense with the oven temperature i was like it, it was a lot of waiting i was bored i was like mm, you know, i'm gonna control every aspect of this thing whatever 375 will be fine. An hour and a half will be good. After a half hour to 40 minutes, something like that, once you just start getting a little bit of color on the skin, like a little bit of browning, it's at that point that you can baste this with the chili oil. Uh, the oil will help cook the skin and get it crispy without it drying out too much. It kind of like gives you a nice, a nice uh, heat transfer medium on the surface once it is 
dried out a little bit from the roasting process and then it gets a nice uh, brown crispy skin. Uh, I basted it once at that point, you know, after like 40 minutes and then I basted it again about 10 minutes before it was done. Now, super important when it's done. Well, number one, you, you want to check this in the thickest part in the center with a probe thermometer and you absolutely want to get to at least 160 degrees. 165 is the target temperature, but we are going to remove this from the oven and let it rest for at least 15 minutes. So you'll have carryover cooking. So if you get it to 160, it will carry over to at least 165, but you definitely need to make sure that that internal temperature gets into the kill zone because this is just chicken on top of chicken on top of chicken. And you do not want to have raw chicken or undercooked chicken in the center of your Ballantine because this is a very beautiful dish and it is very tasty. And the last thing you want to do is taint the memory of it with um, gastrointestinal distress. Okay. So yeah, baste it with that chili oil. Uh, bring it out whenever you're at 160, 165. Should be in the neighborhood of an hour and 30 minutes. And then let it rest uncovered for at least 15 minutes. That'll allow a lot of the juices to calm down and to reabsorb into the muscle of the chicken itself and of the chicken stuffing. And then, uh, you know, you can slice this in between the trusses if you want, but it will, just because the, the protein sort of gets denser as it cooks and it stiffens up a bit, you will be able to snip off those trusses without this thing like unfurling like a like a noisemaker on, on New Year's Eve. Um, it'll it'll hold its shape. It'll be fine. So I, I did snip off um, all the all the butcher's twine and then slice it into medallions. And uh, you know it's it's really satisfying to have like a whole intact chicken that you can just slice like a meatloaf. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And, um, you know, you're going to have, you might have a higher proportion of the stuffing down in the thigh area, like the midriff of the chicken, you know, because they're the, the, the point where the, the breast meat sort of tapers off into the thighs and the oysters, you know, you have less interior meat there. So you'll have more of the stuffing. Um, but really it was a nice distribution of stuffing from one into the other. The stuffing was delicious. It was fantastic. The chicken was cooked perfectly. You know, it was it was juicy. It was tender. It was fantastic. And just the fact that you could, uh, I mean, if you wanted to, you could pick it up and eat it like a hot dog <laughs> because it's there's no bones except for at the end, whenever you get down to the ankles. So it's really, really one of my favorite uh, uh, dishes that I've made recently. Very beautiful. Uh, it's very, you know, it. you can make this really fancy with a really highfalutin stuffing, but man, you turn it on its head and you're like, Hey man, it's, it's Buffalo chicken Ballantine. Then it becomes casual and delicious with just like a, a little bit of pinkies out with the whole deboning process. Don't be afraid of the process. It is, um, yeah, you gotta do a couple hundred of them. You know what I mean? So you gotta do the first one first. You gotta, you gotta make one that looks like it was, uh, it was put through a paper shredder. Um, and then you figure out how to salvage it whenever you roll it up and tie it. And then you do it again later and then you do it again later. And, you know, a couple of years from now, man, you'll be banging those out. Jacques Pepin says you should be able to debone a chicken in under a minute. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not there. I mean, it might take me five, five or 10 minutes, especially if I'm 
uh, taking pictures at every step of the way and washing my hands and drying my hands and getting my phone out and all that kind of stuff. But it's not, it's not particularly onerous. doesn't add a whole lot of prep time. And man, the, uh, the, uh, the end result is knock your socks off. I think, uh, if somebody notices and like, Hey, this chicken ain't got no bones in it. How'd you do that? It feels really good. It feels really good. So that's it. This week is Buffalo Chicken Ballantine. Give it a try. It's fun. It's beautiful. It's delicious. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you very much.